name is Joel McLeod. My name is Ronald Tanner. And welcome to the Thursday 905 Roundup. It is, it's an interesting episode we have in store for you folks. So, you know, sit tight, pull up a cup of coffee and we'll jam. We're, we're not finished talking about, uh, I don't know if it's a scandal, but definitely a hubba baloo. Let's go, let's go with hubba baloo at Burlington City Council uh, lately. Uh, and the Shauna Stolte disciplinary action mess doesn't seem to be quite ending, despite, I think, what some people yeah, uh, on mean, City Council when, wanted to when be. When the mayor of the city issues a over 2,000-word statement, um, I don't think you, you, you can expect things uh, to entirely go away. As a, uh, That's, you know, um, generally politicians, when they want a story to go away, they um, they don't comment at all. Um, you know, don't don't feed the beast, so to speak. Um, uh, Marianne uh, gave the beast two thousand words to, to play with, uh, and you know, I mean, obviously she's defending, well, defending council's position, basically saying, well, the integrity commissioner gave a thing, and it'd be wrong of us to disagree. Um, uh, well, maybe I don't know. I mean, that, that I, I don't actually necessarily take that point. I mean, you know, you wouldn't councillors don't have votes unless the vote is actually ha- is meaningful. Um, it's obviously down to councils to to um, agree or disagree with the recommendations of the integrity commissioner, and um, that happens quite regularly. That council councils do different things. Um, and I, the issue that I really took exception to was the statement that, that uh, it took courage for the two councillors, Rory Nissan and Kelvin Galbraith, it took courage for them to request an investigation. Um, and and I don't, <laughs> I I cannot see that. I cannot see that. You know, if if there is an example of punching down and of 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 the strong side of of the uh, of that council punching down on the on the weaker side, this is it. Um, you know, th- uh, th- this is not. This is not the outsiders. This is not the little guys defending uh, uh, or fighting against Goliath. You know, um, it just isn't. Shauna Stolte was alone, pretty much, although she has the sympathy of of at least one other councillor. But she was basically alone in this campaign for increased openness and against uh, the over what she claims is the overuse of closed session meetings. And here we have the gang of the rest of, of council um, to a large extent uh, using every tool that they can to shut her up and ultimately to force her out of uh, force her out of a, of a, what would be certainly uh, quite an easy re-election campaign, I would expect. Um, so I really took exception to that, you know, and you can say I'm biased, whatever. Um, uh, we're all biased. Let's just take that as red. Um, what I find supremely ironic is that Marianne Mead Ward, for the best part of a decade, was a one-person outsider on Burlington Council who put up with some really atrocious behaviour, I felt, um, from from other councillors. I, I do think there was a gender component to that, that it was guys ganging up on a woman when she was in that position. Um, now, it's not quite the same now, but... Uh, uh, it's two guys ganging up on a woman, though, and and uh, and it's the male side of the of the council uh, uh, that that is predominating here. I mean, albeit that the mayor is a woman, obviously. Um, I mean, it, it, does the mayor not see the irony of of how how she is an outsider acted well, and I, another person sorry. trying to do uh, uh, trying to do the to pursue the interests 
of uh, people in Burlington and and of the of the of the you know of the uh, establishment in essence saying how dare you do this and uh, and going to every length they can to shut her up well there's there's a there's an issue here with openness and transparency which was a core tenet of what this council was supposed to be about and the fact is that the this i mean the the shana still sees Actions were not in a bubble. They were not. They're not in a vacuum. They were not. She was just not, not saying, "Oh, this is." I, I just don't agree with this one issue. She was pointing out the fact that this council repeatedly has to go into in-camera sessions to discuss its matters, which is by nature undemocratic. Yes, it's a tool provided to city councils uh, to to discuss sensitive natures, which is typically it's meant to be used for, you know, when you have to hire high profile positions like a city manager position, et cetera, that you you do not have it open air. You have to be able to discuss hiring. You might you might discuss a a dis a legal issue in in nuance, but this council just kind of says, you know, no, we're going to any camera. We don't know necessarily why it is. We we re- have a vague idea, maybe because of the the uh, where it's positioned on the on the agenda, so we can infer sometimes. But uh, usually, you say nor going to camera to discuss this this situation or this this policy. That doesn't happen. We just get told, nope, going in camera, and we don't know what comes out of it. We don't know what was discussed, what was decided on, what what happens. That's the nature of in camera sessions. Shauna Stolte's very uh, practical criticism of that process of the frequency that this council goes into it uh i, I what it shocked me is that it, it, i don't i don't really see it being addressed in the mayor's uh statement there's a lot of there's a lot of uh statements on you know the damaging the damaging impact to the breaches of confidentiality and and the ability that they have to use to use these tools uh etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's no there's no recollect there's no there's no reference of of that Stelte's uh, core argument is a valid one. Like she, the mayor doesn't address that at all. She doesn't go and say, yeah, you know what? She's right. We should have done, we should be more open about these things, but we aren't, we're going to address that. But yes, to the rules are the rules and she has to be penalized for it. No, it was how dare she, how dare she, how dare she error what's supposed to be in secret. Now, there are a couple of things in the statement that I, I found it, it irked me the wrong way. Um, one was the, the, I thought it was a bit sanctimonious. Um, her, her praising, um, uh, uh, counselors, Rory Nissan and Kevin Galbraith. Uh, I'm going to quote directly from the statement. It took courage for counselors, Rory Nissan and Kevin Galbraith to request an investigation. They knew the report and their identities would be public. Uh-huh. Uh, they've received unwarranted criticism for doing exactly what the code requires of all members of council to hold each other accountable to our obligations under the code and the legislative provisions of the Ontario Municipal Act that all members of council swear an oath of office to uphold. So my question is, why wasn't her name on? Why wasn't she requesting the investigation? Where was her leadership on this? Yeah, to say, if it, no, if they were courageous, the integrity of council I mean, must yeah, be preserved. It's a really good point. It's a really mayor. good point. Um, if they were being that. courageous, if they were just doing what the municipal act ordered them to do. Um, you know, I, I, then why wasn't the mayor at the front of the line to put her name on it? And she makes very clear that she wasn't. Um, and, you know, I could I believe her. I certainly have no evidence to suggest yeah. anything other. So let, let's take that as read then. Why wasn't her name on it? Um, you know, if, if it was so obviously the right thing to do. Um, uh, you know, it, it, 
the the, the argument contradicts itself in in several places. Uh, you know, this this idea that there's been a breach of public trust and that the city has been been harmed by this. No, it hasn't been. City hasn't remotely been harmed by anything that was uh, uh, revealed by Sean Astolte. What was revealed was so piddling and inconsequential. Uh, I mean, basically, the address of a house that everybody knew and a number that is not actually a number. Um, it was a number of a much bigger thing. And the whole point of that number is that there is a number that has to be secret. Um, and that is quite rightly uh, protected um, because that's part of a negotiation for a land purchase. That wasn't what Shauna Stolte said. She was talking about the total costs. Now, that, that is the difference between the way the, the in-camera sessions are meant to be used and how they're being used. You can use it to cover uh, to um, protect uh, the city's interest in a, in a negotiation, or you can say, well, because we've got this in private session, in closed session, we're going to put everything to do with it. You know, the color of the wallpaper, the... You know how long the grass is on the lawn. Everything connected with Bateman of any, you know, in it, however remotely, is now under that uh, uh, blanket ban from discussion. That's not the way it's supposed to work. It's not the way it has worked in the past. And you know, Marianne Mead Ward knows fine and well that's not the way it, it used to work in the past because she was on council when decisions were made in a different way. So you know, let's not. Sorry, Karen. What. What also gets me, I just want to keep going into the into this in this statement. Uh, she comes into to say there's a breach of public trust uh, because council can no longer be confident that what they bring forward in a confidential session will remain so, and that compromises their ability to have robust discussions uh, to make the best decisions for the community. The community loses. Now I have an issue with this because we don't know that it's this it's this arrogance that. Well, the council knows what's best, so therefore the council can just do what it wants, and the rest of us peons just will will we'll have to okay. pray that they. they yeah, know and again, it's contradictory. It's that touch of arrogance that's there. That no council knows what's best. Well, here's the thing: we when we first started talking about this, when we first brought this episode uh, last week. Um, our our all of a sudden we we kind of kicked over this hornlessness. People are rightfully. Uh, upset with how they how Shauna Stolte was treated. She is a she is very much a a dare I say it, a beloved counselor, a counselor that people respect and people say she's in it for the right reasons. She's in it to make the the community better. Her her neighborhoods, her city. She wa- she just wants to make them better. Um, and a lot of people are viewing her as one of the good guys. Council is not being viewed that way. Council is being viewed as bullies in this story. Um, and and I would argue that the rest of council has breach public trust because people understand that they say, why, why is Bateman High so secretive? Why is it that everything has to be done behind closed doors? What, why? The, the simple question of why do we need to buy this building has not been satisfied to the public satisfaction. People like nobody knows like, what are we going to do with it? What, like, what, why, why do we need this in our inventory as a city? And why are we going to go into city reserves to get it? And that's something that, you know, Shauna probably will, Maybe maybe not the best way to do it, but Sean has a valid point. Say like people deserve to know this, and if people say, "Well, I don't care if it's a, a Brock, you know, the University of Brock gets a, a, a teachers' college 
classroom there or whatever, or whatever you're going to do it. Uh, an extra a, library branch, whatever. The whole People Bateman say, thing no, is a classic. It's not it's worth a money. Case of legacy We'd building, like have, which yeah, is sure. the worst disease that politicians catch. But not worth that. Not that much. Um, from time to time. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it suits the Ward 5 councillor because it's in his ward. Uh, it suits the city because they get to say, hey, we've got a we've got a university in our city. And for some reason, you know, towns like Burlington and Oakville, they get awfully worked up about universities because, you know, it's like... It, we already have a university. We have Mac. Mac we have a great shiny Mac to another on the highway yeah, exactly. that people can see as they I mean, drive through I mean, on their way to their job in Toronto. It, there's been talk about university buildings in Burlington right. for decades. At one point, it was going to be downtown, and on and on, and on we go. It, it, it's 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 classic. And, and if you want to build a legacy project, um, the best way to do that is to try not to talk about the money that's involved because legacy projects are always expensive. This is an expensive proposition, um, mm -hmm. north of fifty million dollars. I've heard mentioned. You know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but but not for not for the property for the total redevelopment, um, <laughs> and that's being that's the public is oh, not I, getting to have a say in that. And, and the whole point of, of well, elected that's... representatives is that because things are done in public and because they have to answer to the public for the decisions they're making, they make the decisions that we want. Decisions that are made in private are not in the best interest of the public. They're in the best interest of the councillor, uh, and. And of the of the various people there, or, or are highly likely to become so, uh, and we know that this happens at every level of government. That that people don't want things talked about because it's inconvenient, and certainly, you know, money is always inconvenient when you're trying to buy a nice again. I, I call it a trinket for the city, and this this is you know, legacy building projects again and again and again are trouble, um, and this is a classic one. But I want to finish off just analyzing the mayor's statement here. Um, there, and she closes off her statement by saying, um, where we go from here, I stand by all the decisions we have made in closed session and look forward to when the details of the two matters that led to the breach of confidentiality can be made public. That time will come in a matter of months for both. I welcome the opportunity to provide my take and explain my vote to the community. Here's my issue with this. That time will come in a matter of months for both. What is a matter of months? Is it 12 months? Is it one? Is it two? This is all done in secrecy. We're, we're told just sit tight and wait. We'll tell you what's going on later. We're being patronized like fucking children on this. And it pisses me off. It's what politicians do. They, they, they don't trust us with the truth. And they're hoping that they're going to get the best deal to come forward. Here's the thing. Things done in secret never end well for politicians. Nobody, ha nobody trusts this council anymore. Nobody trusts what they're going to say. They are going to come forth and say, yeah, we're going to buy Robert Bateman for this price. Except here's the thing. Everyone's going to say, really, is this a good deal? Is this going to last longer than the pride sidewalks uh, outside of the uh, Halton Catholic School Board and the Halton District School Board offices? Because, you know, that that was we dipped into reserve funds for that. And that ended up becoming, um, well, that didn't even last a year. So that doesn't seem like good money well spent. This patronizing tone of just wait and see we'll, t we'll tell you later we'll, we'll tell you eventually no we're, we're adults we're we're supposed to be informed citizens here you don't make the decisions for you you make we make the decisions for you we get to tell you how we want you to vote or how and, we and want I'll, you to I'll spend just, our uh, money take the liberty that's how this works this is a democracy right now in hamilton an inquiry has just begun into the red hill valley valley expressway um 
scandal. Yeah, let's call it that. I don't think that certainly is a scandal. Um, that for six years, uh, the uh, it was known that the surface of of the highway had not been done properly and therefore wasn't sufficiently sticky from the point of view of cars. And that this was causing accidents and that four people died. Um, this is where you get with a culture of secrecy at city halls. Uh, and it's not just councillors uh, and mayors who are part of that. Staff are part of it too, because very often the interests of councillors in keeping things quiet and the interests of staff in keeping things quiet come together. Um, and so we are reliant on councillors like Shauna Stolte, who uh, frankly are willing to do things because they don't, because they're willing to lose a career over it because they want to serve the public um, uh, to, to, to stand up for us. For years and years and years, there were closed session meetings happening in Hamilton on things like the Red Hill Valley Expressway, on the sewage uh, uh, leak into Lake Ontario. Um, uh, and again and again, it was like, we can't talk about it. You know, the legal advice is we mustn't talk, we mustn't talk, we mustn't talk. And people have died as a result. So God damn it, in Burlington, you... You know, shape up. You have made a fool of yourself. You have damaged public trust, but not because of the actions of Sean Stolte, because of the disgraceful way you've treated a decent councillor who is nobody's rebel, who is nobody's troublemaker, uh, but who will certainly put the interests of what she feels are the, the public interest ahead of her career and ahead of the careers of, of people who are just trying to build legacies so that they can point at election time to look what a nice thing we bought you all. Give me your vote. Um, you know, and, and it's a tragedy that, that, that of the, uh, crop of councillors who were elected in uh, 2018 i would say of the of the new bunch uh, uh shauna stolte and lisa kearns were, were the two best uh, and they are and lisa kearns will say she she was quite open this week in <sighs> trying to walk the line between between you know being more diplomatic perhaps than than shauna stolte was but nevertheless saying uh uh that she applauded Councillor Salty's pursuit of working to bring about change and openness. So at least there's one person, hopefully, who will still be there, you know, and I'm saying about this, the person who beat me at the last election, um, uh, who will still be on that council at the election, who's maybe on the side of, of openness and fighting for the interests of the voter. Um, but, you know, if, if we're talking about a, a new type of council after 2018, a new tone, my God, that's gone. This is a council more toxic, more dysfunctional, and more vile than the council that went before it. And boy, is that saying something. And on that note, let's take a break. We'll be back with uh, the next half of the episode uh, just a few moments. And we're back. Um, so, uh, turns out COVID is still around. <laughs> uh, yeah, the this in the Hamilton Spectator, uh, the... Reports report that COVID-19 in wastewater is reaching an all-time high, which is pretty sure surprising one at this point. Um, we kind of expected, like, we're in, we're in wave number six. Uh, we, you know, wave number five barely uh, barely left us, and now we're uh, now we're in wave number six. We'll probably be in wave number seven before the uh, end of the year. But, um, yeah... It, 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 I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, Roland. What, what are your What are your reaction to that? <laughs> and then I'm, I'm gonna try to yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, I won't mixed thoughts and evolved thoughts. I'll let you uh, I should talk say. about that. But um, my thoughts are utter confusion now. I mean, in, in so many ways, and, and I think ultimately the problem is that that you know my brain looks for logic 
in a situation where there is no logic. And actually, uh, uh, Councillor Maureen Wilson probably put it best a few weeks ago, is that when people decide that, that, a, that a pandemic is over, it's over. And it seems that most people have decided that it's over. The fact that more people have COVID now than ever before doesn't matter. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, the test results, the water results that we're seeing, everything, you know, the fact that I know more people who have it or are recovering from it now than at any point previously. Um, uh, the fact when I, you know, I speak to, to relatives, people in Britain, that, that, that by and large, it's, uh, life is completely back to normal, in inverted commas. I mean, back to normal, but people are getting sick. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know... I think we can, we can, obviously that many people are still very angry about this and feel that, you know, everything we did for two years is being kind of betrayed by this. And I certainly get that, but I don't know what else to do now. Um, the cat is out of the bag. Everybody's decided. Um, it makes no sense. There is no sense to anything. It's not logical. I can't add it up and say, this is where we are, but this is where we are. Anyway. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, my, my thoughts on it are varied and I've, um, well, okay. Full, I guess, full disclosure. Uh, I got COVID back. Um, if you, if, if people tune back, go into the back, back catalog, go, go a few episodes back. Uh, we only have like, it's a 20 minute episode. I sounded like crap in it. And what you're sound, what you're hearing in that episode is a guy with COVID, as it turns out. Um, I had co I didn't know it at the time. I tested after we recorded it and I tested a big old positive for it. Now I have my two doses and my booster. So three doses, I guess, in total. Um, and I'll be honest, I was very thankful I had them because, uh, instead of being a incapacitating disease, it was a really bad, bad cold. Like it was, it was, it was, I was miserable and for a couple of days, it wasn't, it wasn't most of my colds last like one day and I'm done, but I'm sure most of you listening probably have had it. So you probably, you know what I'm going, what I'm describing, um, in some symptom or not. Cause it, it all has different talking with people. It all, it all takes a different form. You, you short winded, you have no energy or you're bad cold or you have the flu or you're throwing up. It, it all changes depending on, on, on who you are. Uh, but for me, it was a bad, really bad cold, uh, and I was in bed for a couple of days. Now, coming out of it, and then coming out of it took me a while because I still had symptoms, um, but I had just no energy. It took me a while just like to get the energy to try and go for a walk and, and whatnot. I, I mean, it was a good two weeks of just ugh, like I was just under the weather. Um, now, here's here's the lesson I learned from it. Um, the age of lockdowns, yeah, I think that's done. We we don't need lockdowns anymore. Um, and, and that's, that's that we do need something different though. Um, I, 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 I firmly believe that the, uh, the, we need, we need action on honestly workers' rights. We need, we need to bring back those sick days for people so people can take the days off and recuperate and not have to worry about missing a shift or missing pay or, or whatever have you. We got, that's something that I'm not hearing from any of the the political parties uh, leading into this election. And that greatly upsets me. Um, what upsets me about this is that we, coming out of it, I get this sense that we are entirely on our own. We are completely, uh, it's, it's fend for yourself. Um, if you are working in a shift work or if you're working a frontline job and you get COVID and you're just like, I am out, you're out. 
you 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 lose that pay. You might even lose your work because your boss might say, oh, "No, you're you, you have to show up for work. If you don't show up for work, you're fired." Well, you can't show up for work, or if you show up for work, you are just you you shouldn't be there. Like it it it's not. This isn't a oh, just sleep it off. You're better. It is. It varies from person to person, and we need that flexibility in our labor laws to protect people to say no. If you get it, which you probably will now, you're going to be okay. You're not going to lose your job. You're going to be able to, to be flexible and, and and not worry about losing the roof over your heads. That's, I think, where we're at now. Um, we, well, I'm thankful for most people. Most people you go out, even though mask mandates have lifted, most people are still sensible enough to say, yeah, I, I'm not lifting mine. I wear my mask when I go in, uh, go in, in shopping somewhere if I have to um, and, and whatnot. The... And I say, and I keep my distance from uh, from people that I don't. That's I think that's just the way I'll I'll live my life from now on. But what gets me is we need vaccine uptake, and we don't have that. And that's what the vaccine mandates were about. The vaccine mandates I don't think were about actually protecting people. It was encouraging people to go get their vaccines. Because um, I I mean, there's no other way to encourage it. We we've, we maxed we maxed out the the carrot. We need the stick now. Well, I think I think there's so much. This yeah, the, this is just. There were so many levels. This just it sucks. between lockdown on one side and doing nothing on the other that we don't seem to have done. It's been stay home, don't talk to anybody. You know, and again, oh yeah, you want to talk about hypocritical politicians? It was an- you know, seeing people in the first half of 2020 being incredibly um, self-righteous about people going for a walk in a park when, you know, it was already, it already seemed clear to me that this was not a disease that was getting transmitted outdoors uh, to any significant degree. And those same politicians a year later, 18 months later, going to great lengths to get the kids back to school and to open up the businesses, uh, which, you know, Basically, opening up the schools is is the thing that's driven this thing. It seems to me uh, more than anything um, that you know. Certainly, removing the mask mandates for school uh, seems to me again to be associated with with the, the spike in my, you know, certainly my personal circle of acquaintances. Well, I'm 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 confident that's where I got my case from. My kids got to went to school. They got it. They brought it home because that, that was that was our only real link. We were trying to trace back our contacts throughout the the previous week. Yeah, they said that was it. And, Is this and, our kids going back and, and forth? And it was school? when the that mask really mandate ended that that, that changed uh, in a really significant way. And, and mm-hmm. that yep, that seems unnecessary. And it seems, I mean, the, the part of this I can't let go is the cruelty. It seems to me to people who with uh, you know who are immune compromised for whatever reason who have health concerns. So. Uh, uh, Somebody I know has had COVID recently, and it has had a complication. Uh, n- not well, no, it's a, it's a serious complication. It's a serious. It's going to have a seriously detrimental effect for, for possibly years to come. And this is after all the um, all the vaccinations, everything. Uh, and you know, are we? You know, if you're saying that that's a price worth paying for the rest of us to 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 go back to life as normal or whatever, then at least have the courage to say that out in the open that, you know, okay, well, I'm sorry. It sucks to be a person with, with a weakened immune system, but you've always had to pay prices or whatever. I mean, I guess there's an element of truth of that, but it what, what's actually happened is that the political classes um, 
uh, and certainly the public health side of things that is associated with the government, just stop talking about those people and hope that we forgot. Um, you know, and we're seeing, you know, in Hamilton, they're, they're, we're seeing outbreaks in in uh, mm-hmm. uh, long term care facilities again. Um, you know, it's like we've learned nothing, and that that is the most distressing thing. Yeah. Well, people should also, people should also be aware the long term care home situation for a lot of uh, residents of those homes. They're still being treated like it, it's a solitary confinement situation. They're they're being treated like they're essentially um, hardened criminals. Locked in the rooms, prohibited from really interacting with anyone other than a uh, PP, uh, PPE clad nurse or doctor who comes in to check on them. It, it it's what gets me is we are we're at a stage now in this pan, the pandemic's not over, and I I think that our political class has no imagination, and that's something that I I was. A little just disappointed in our episodes with uh, Stephen Del Duca and, and Mike Schreiner was that they they themselves seem to have not really had any imagination or really any lessons to learn about what what can we take away like we've had two we'll be going on three years of doctors every day talking to the news talking to people like they're political leaders so you t- you're telling me you cannot find a doctor who will tell you the science behind it or, or give you some recommendations. We've had two or three years of this, and it's always like, oh, well, I'm just going to listen to the doctors. Well, yeah, we've all been listening to the doctors. I want to know what you're going to do. I want to know what it is that you've learned. And maybe that's what I should have asked them. I, I, I didn't, and that's, that's on me, folks. But I want to know like, what you would have learned to make the system better. And it's clear our healthcare system is on it, – it's, it's it is on life support. We, we're, we're looking at massive – uh, staffing shortages, and there's not enough nurses and doctors in the pipeline to fill to fill people. People are leaving the the leaving the the our hospitals on mass, and those that are leaving are getting COVID and staying home because uh, they have to. Our system is strained to the point of breaking, and nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to say this needs to be fixed, and to do that. We need to cut off transmission, which means, yes, you let people go stay home and you say to businesses, you have to pay them sick pay. And if that means you go past five day, five sick days a year and you say maybe you have to go into, no, you get 30 sick days a year. I don't know, but you have to really sit down and say, we've got to figure this out because the system can't handle it. People can't, ha- people don't, shouldn't be forced to deal with that. They should, their health should come first. And it's not a cold. It's not a flu. God forbid if you get it and you end up with one of these people, you end up like one of these people who have long COVID. So you have long-term illnesses that God knows what that's going to do to the healthcare system in 20 years time. If you have some 30-year-old who no longer can walk down the street without losing their uh, their their breath, um, this these are things that nobody's talking about. And it bothers me. It, it really bothers me that we our political class does not have the intelligence or the imagination to say, yeah, this is broken. We need to rethink this. We need to address it. And instead we're, we're being, we're pretending it, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. We're, we're not going to worry about it. We're just going to keep on going on. And I think we're heading for a big, uh, I don't want to say catastrophe, just you know, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. Yeah. Is what, I mean, I guess it, where it, I'll leave it at. I, I, I can't add anything to that other than, Again, anecdotal things that people have spoken to recently of 
of a health system that has let them down for various reasons. And it seems to me that that's a symptomatic not of of individual people letting them down, but of a system that is not coping properly. Uh, and I obviously can't talk about the the I can't talk about the details. Not mine to share. Um, but cases seem to me of of uh, something prima facie uh, cases of, of of neglect or incompetence, um, uh, perhaps brought about by overwork, perhaps brought about by the fact that you know if it wasn't COVID that 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 meant you weren't a priority for the last few years or whatever. Who knows? It's that kind of dropping the ball that happens. It's 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 uh, people who who are, are lost in the system somehow. Um, uh, 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 you know, passed from doctor to doctor to to specialist to doctor, uh, uh, with with none of them seemingly wishing to sort of take the ball and run with it. Um, almost kind of pass the parcel kind of situation that I, I've seen multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Uh, a, a sort of syndrome of everybody running away from responsibility. Um, it's you know, and I'm generalising here. You know, I, I I don't know enough about this subject, but but it, it's something I've seen enough that it worries no, me. It's, and it's, it seems, I, I, I think, again, I'm not blaming the people involved, but I, I think it must be a symptom of a larger malaise, um, and, and that perhaps COVID has perhaps pre-existed COVID, but COVID has brought to the forefront and oh well perhaps that's something we should be exploring in in future episodes but uh it's troubling you know to say the least i i'm just bothered by it because i know at the last two last three years have been really hard on people everyone and i'm not i'm not neglecting that but i did i always thought that this was an opportunity to come out of this better i really thought we were seeing problems that we didn't think of before we saw structural problems in the system that we just said wow okay this is what happens when we're pushed to the brink and it doesn't look good and i thought okay let's use this as a learning experience let's let's figure out how to i hate to say it but build back better and instead it's no let's just go back to mediocrity let's go back to you know, let, let's let's give it to the private sector. Let, let's let the private sector deal with this. You know, they, they they can make a buck off of it. Who cares? Who cares if so many people that were an expendable line uh, and, uh, on a budget sheet somewhere in somebody's office? And that's what I get out of this. And I, I just, I'm, what angers me is I don't see any of our political class getting angry over that. I don't. I don't see anyone saying this is not acceptable. This is. I don't. I'm. I'm not okay with this. I don't. I haven't heard that from any leader at any level of our system, municipal, provincial, or federal. Just say, I'm really, I'm, I'm really pissed off at this. Well, so I really am. We're going really, into just, it, it, and and instead we have just opportunists fleecing us. Yeah, and we're going into. I was just gonna say we have opportunists fleecing us. And, and that's why you. <laughs> uh, you you say you're yeah. Thinking. I mean, we're go, we're obviously going to talk next week. We're going into the Ritz will be dropping. The election will be underway. Um, and I was looking at the polls today, and you know, uh, strange things can happen in Canadian elections. I learned that uh, a while ago. However, however, unless there's really something quite monumental that happens in the next few weeks because of a sudden rush of enthusiasm for. Andrea Horvath or Stephen Delduca, we are going to have a re, a a second, probably majority PC government, 
um, come beginning of June that will be elected with less than 40% of the vote. And I think people should be very angry about that if it happens. Yeah, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. I mean, certainly strange things can happen. Third mm-hmm. place parties can become first place parties. You know, we've seen it in recent history. However, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a case of a majority of votes not working in the way that they need to work if you want to get the government that you want elected. Um, and that's going to be a huge problem. Um, and the, 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 well, let's say the next, you know, the next month is going to be a test for those two leaders in particular about whether they can perhaps show something that I don't believe either of them have shown so far, which is, you know, the willingness to sort of grasp the nettle and to promise something dramatically different because yeah, we need it. We can't, we can't just have another rerun of, of the 2014 election, the 2018 election, the 2007 election, whatever year it was, uh, the world has moved on and we, you know, if the NDP and the liberals not being able to work together means we get another four years of Doug Ford, you know, in four years, who knows what the world's going to look like the way things are going right now, you know, um, we don't have time to waste on this. We, we need bold, we need, we need bolder and we need yeah, better. And, and let's hope we're um, proved wrong. But, and I'm not seeing uh, that in this election. That, that just, you know, I, I'm too old to really, lose four really years on, on a, on a government that was yeah, being elected by minority me. voters. Yeah. We're all, we're all too old. We're all too old on this. On that note, we're calling an end to this episode. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you haven't, go check out our our interviews with Mike Schreiner and Stephen Del Duca. Maybe you'll see more optimism in there than we did. Uh, I hope <laughs> you did. If you do, give us a line. Cheer us up. We need it. Uh, and we're going to be back next week uh, uh, with, uh, with more episodes. Thank you very much, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>
physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.